You're listening to the NBA Outsiders Podcast, hosted by Peter Kennedy, John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Villani, and Justin Babb. We talking ball. We talking ball and we tweeting ball at NBA underscore Outsiders. And this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. So give them a follow too, at Sport Blog NYC. Hit them up with a follow. And you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, all that good stuff. Just follow us on Twitter and we'll hook it up. Yeah, also check us out on the World Wide Web at sportsblognewyork.com. Just click on the podcast tab and we will be there. I can't really sing. <laughs> yeah. La 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 You're listening to the NBA Outsiders Podcast, a Sports Blog New York podcast hosted by Peter Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, and Justin Babb. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, and of course on sportsblognewyork.com. But Pete, Frank, Bab, and Duff, in no specific order, are here to talk about the NBA, as we always do every week, usually in the middle, sometimes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It depends on the flow, depends when the games are on, but we have a lot to talk about after this weekend and after these first few weeks. So without further ado, let's just get to it. I'm going to bring in my man, John Lucas Duffy first. What's up, brother? What up, what up? And next, Justin Babb. What up? How we doing? Last but not least, Frankie V. What up? Petey, man. How we, how we doing, Petey? How we doing? I figured it'd be a good idea to get everybody in quick because, you know, sometimes we do a little back and forth in between. I just wanted everybody to get here and just get this going. We're here. Yeah, we're ready to go, man. So, Babb and Duff, you guys actually were at some NBA basketball events in the past week or so, correct? Correct. That is correct. Sixer Nation? Sixer Nation, baby. You know it. What's the, what's the vibe been like in Philly? Because other than the Markel Fultz thing, isn't this a lot of good, like just good stuff going on? It's electric. Yeah. It's so fun. It's so fun to go to those games. I was lucky enough to go to a pretty fun game. I went to Sixers Pacers. It was... Real ugly in the beginning, but then towards the end, Rocco and specifically J.J. Redick were just knocking down three. I don't think they missed a three in like the last two or three minutes of the game. And he, I don't know if you guys saw J.J. hit that one-hander, like, heave over that, Miles Turner. That was the, nuts. Dude, with the clock expi- shot clock expiring, that was that iced the game for him. That place was crazy when that, when that went in. Reddick's been a real bright spot for us. Like he's knocking down the shots he needs to. But it's it's funny. Like in the stadium, like the the kind of like the vibe with all the fans is like not necessarily like it's not necessarily in tune with what you're getting on the court. Because like Duffy said, it was sloppy in the beginning. Like I went to the game against the Hawks. The Hawks are a real shitty team. But like the like the the vibe is like electric. Like all the fans are still like you know going in on everything that's happening. And, like, I thought the game itself, though, was a little sloppy. Kind of like Duff's anime. It was the Hawks and the young Sixers. So the game itself, you know, was good. But just the vibe there is great right now. I mean, everyone's really excited. You can feel it. They're just so happy to have a competitive team again. 
It's mm-hmm. great. We, I mean, we, we are so happy to have a competitive. Oh, <laughs> Duffy, stop that garbage. <laughs> oh yeah, Mr. Celtics and Sixers fan over here. My guy just, I mean, Since Duffy, birth. honestly, I do respect you with your NBA thing because you, you just root for the guys you like. Like You root for the team you like watching, and that's kind of a quality that gets lost, right? So me and Frank are forced now. Our hands are forced. We watch the Knicks no matter what. Luckily, we had an even more electric than you guys experienced. I can guarantee it performance from Christoph Porzingis in the Knicks on Sunday night. So we're doing okay right now, but me and Frank over here, we're forced to like, like this team. Duff, you just hop around to whatever team you like the best. Well, to, to anyone who doesn't, let me just give a little backstory here. Um, I grew up a Nets fan. I went to a ton of Nets games as a kid. My dad actually works at the sports complex in the Meadowlands, but when they moved away to Newark and then to Brooklyn, I just felt so betrayed and I couldn't follow them. So I, I got my heart broken as a fan and I could, I, I promised myself I'd never get too close again. So were you a J kid guy, Vince Carter guy? Like what, which, which guy had you going? I was a Keith Van Horn guy. Oh my up. God. That, oh. that makes so much real. sense. <laughs> uh, um, he does. I went to a game. I got like this Keith Van Horn uh, like giveaway like beanie. I thought that was so dope. <laughs> oh, even no. as a kid, I knew those socks were fresh. Oh my god, Yo, Frank! Frank, I didn't get in here. If you want like a good, you know, five minute highlight, you can go look up his Nets highlights. He's got some pretty cool highlights. Not gonna lie, I'm actually yeah, stuff on that one. He's actually a kind of cool guy. When I was a little kid, that was just such an exciting team. Like Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, Kenyon Martin, just like running and gunning like they weren't even supposed to be good and it was just it was a lot of fun like i grew up in new jersey and i was always a little like resentful that new york got all this stuff i was like i didn't understand at the time like oh why does new jersey not have any teams like i felt like that's why you hate d'angelo russell there it is it all comes full circle i love d'angelo russell when he was (laughs) at ohio state that's for sure but i do will by default kind of hate anyone that's on the net so that's fair and you also do love no, taking your jabs at the Knicks, but that's like any non-Knicks fan taking jabs at the Knicks. But Frank, yeah. Frank, like shed, shed some light, Frank. I need you to do this for me because I actually had a pod earlier, a straight-up SBNY pod with my man Kevin Law from the Sports Quotient earlier this week where I gave a, a, a few minutes on this Knicks performance from Sunday night. But just just walk me through your experience of watching that game. Um, I mean, right off the bat, like we talked about it a little bit before, um, Chris Apps Porzingis just like – He's gone from, like, a, a big playmaker to, like, a, a big sequence of plays. Like, to start the game, he hits a finger roll layup uh, off of an offensive rebound and a nice dish from Minas Cantor, and then he catches a lob that's, like, at the top of the box, and the garden just explodes, like, with 10 minutes or with more than 10 minutes to go in the first half. Like, the environment's just changed. Uh, he even said it after the game. Like, they just play with, like, that New York spirit and that New York grit, and, like, y- you can see it. Um, they also talked about during the game, like how much of a leader Jared Jack has been. And like, it kind of shows kind of makes everybody on the court around him better, which honestly surprises me like a lot, but, uh, obviously I'm happy about it. I'll take it. But man, you can't say enough about Chris Epps. He just won his, uh, player of the week in, uh, in the Eastern conference, like dropped 40 points for the first time in his career. They came roaring back, like. Just a great game to watch, man. Really great game to watch. And I want, I want to start something as us four, Frank, Bab, Duff, and Pete, the NBA outsiders, right, as we like to call ourselves, I guess. 
Well, I had an NBA outsider moment watching that game on Sunday. So I recorded the pod with Kevin Law, and then basically the middle of the third quarter stopped as soon as we finished recording. So my heart rate rate was just up in the air when Porzingis scored 15 straight. Frankie Nilakina hit two different threes that were huge. And I legitimately... Oh, exploded. And I, I, I tweeted this out at one point that I needed to change the channel, and I flipped to the football game just to calm down. Like There was like a 30-second timeout, and I flipped to the football game just to like relax and take a deep breath. And I want to start this up. What would NBA, what would an NBA outsider do? Because an, an NBA outsider, they don't give a shit about Sunday Night Football. Monday Night Football is on as we speak right now. You guys care about Lions, Packers? Didn't think so. Hell no. I, I forgot there was football on until you told me. I swear to God. If the sun- <laughs> I got an football game since Odo Beck, uh, Beckham broke his ankle, so I'm just out. I'm out on the NFL. I, I got watch. I got to in right now. But oh, our our Eagles are killing it. Beth. Our me and Duff's Eagles are also killing it. So Bird game. Fair, fair weather, Duff claiming the Eagles too now. Jeez. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Ask Dab. I did it before the season started. So, oh, that's okay. You're still fair weather. <laughs> No, he's I'm all in on that Bud Light promise. Duff found out that we get free beer if the Eagles win the Super Bowl. He hopped right on board. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. Duff, yeah. not only are you fair-weathered, you're also fair-skinned. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> all right, well, let's keep this thing moving. Uh, Shout-out Knicks for having some fun playing basketball. Shout-out Sixers for having some fun playing basketball. We're actually going to get more into uh, a few components of the Knicks and Sixers later in this podcast, but there's this one topic that we feel sincerely obligated to just bring up we don't want to spend too much time on it, and now that I said that, we'll probably end up spending too much time on it. But guys, agree or disagree, we have to mention if the Cavs are actually bad and that whole crap about the worry, the worry, uh, the worry button. Are we hitting the panic button? Like, where where are you guys at with that? Hit it. Um, definitely got your finger on it. Yeah, at least definitely got your finger on it. So you're locked and loaded. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm itching to hit that panic button. I feel like you can't officially press it until Isaiah Thomas comes back, and then you see what they're actually like with the team's second best player. But he actually had a fire tweet. What was that today or two days ago? Oh yeah, he pulled basically like, a Michael Beasley and said he's your favorite point guard's favorite point guard. Yeah, that was so funny. He was like, uh, everyone talking like I didn't beat your favorite point guard's ass last season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. The, the, but the difference between him and Michael Beasley is that his numbers actually back his. His shit talk up. <laughs> the best ability is availability, of, though. He's kind of pulling things out of thin air, which I like. I like it, but let's be real. Yeah, you know, I think I think I, you're I, giving the Cavs too much time. I, I think. I mean, he might not be back till the All Star break. You're not gonna hit the panic button till then, dude. They no, because it's they always can LeBron. Shit early here. They're, as long as they make the playoffs, LeBron will run through a team if he just has a second player. The question is, will he get that second player? And he might run through the East anyway just because we saw him do it when he was on the Cavs. Granted, he's in his 15th season, so we'll see how that actually turns out. Wait, I have, I, have breaking, down, I have breaking news on King James right now. So a friend, good, good friend of mine who I talk basketball with all the time might be listening to this podcast, the NBA Outsiders. He just uh, tagged me in an Instagram. So LeBron James, King James himself, King James on Instagram, he tw- – uh, not tweeted. He Instagrammed out a photo, the infamous Arthur Fist – you know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, the little, the little yeah, fist. I just saw that too, actually. And he wrote, mood, dot, dot, dot. Yo, the, the, the pettiness is back. And this is why, <laughs> guys, this right here is why we need to bring this up. 
right? Like we're talking about LeBron James and we're talking about his team losing to the I mean to the Magic, the Nets, the Knicks, the Pacers, the Hawks, the Pelicans. Like that's LeBron James's team who we all expect to be in the finals, who we all still expect to be in the finals. But Dwayne Wade's calling out the starters, which he was like 3 days ago. Now LeBron James is Instagramming subliminal messages. This is it. This is why we Yo, do the NBA all, Outsiders podcast. All-time like snake move by um with Dwayne Wade, by the way, to be a starter and then voluntarily go back to the bench and then immediately throw shade at the starters. <laughs> Dude, that team just got, they have some weird pieces. Like, I don't know how much chemistry is there. And it's, it's, it's a weird situation. Panic button. I just, my main concern, I know Frank, you, you'll say your piece, but give me one second. I just think that this team is old. And I don't think Drake, Jay Crowder is as good as we think he is. So I'm just worried that Derrick Rose hasn't played more than 66 games in like five years. So how is his body going to do if they make it all the way to the finals? What is going to happen with Dwayne Wade? Because he definitely looks pretty much done to me. I mean, you guys are all ready to panic. I'm not. I'm nowhere near the panic button on them. Um they they still have just like like you said they're still missing their second best player. Um, Kevin Love isn't playing like Kevin Love just yet, and we saw what he can do when he gets hot in that team. Like he balled out at the end of last season. Um, I think J.R. Smith will figure it out. Iman Shumpert has streaks with that team. He's just a streaky player in general. Um, I think Jay Crowder will figure it out. He's going from like one of the probably most structured offenses in the NBA to probably one of the more freelance ones with LeBron James just you know, taking the ball and making plays from any side of the court. That probably takes some time to adjust to. Um, but they still have the the Nets pick for this season, which is a big asset, and we know that they're finals chasing again this year. So I feel like that's on the table to move. So even if they aren't that good, you know, for the beginning of the season, for the first third of the season, all the way up until, you know, near the All-Star break, I still think there will be buyers near – near then and you know you pair LeBron with another quality player and he makes the magic happen so I'm not worried at all not panicking at all seems fine and I think uh I think we should cut the Cavs talk here because we've all kind of had our nice little piece there and no matter the the main point is here the Cavs are now uh, someone you have to pay attention to because there's going to be that point like Frank, you're saying all this, and I actually agree with you. I, there's no reason to be truly worried yet, but there's a reason to pay attention, and there's a reason to be like every week or every month, every two weeks, whatever it is, to reevaluate and say, "All right, is this team taking steps forward? Like, are they figuring anything out, or are they still just unable to stop anybody?" So they're a team to, to pay attention to. And I'm glad we talked about them for a couple of minutes. But before it gets too much longer, let's keep this thing moving. But before we do, quick shout out to the counterpart or often looked at as a counterpart of LeBron James now, Kyrie Irving. I mean, my man's got out of there in the nick of time. Am I right? (laughs) 100%. He seems like he's just loving Boston in general. So even even if the Cavs were having success, like, he just looks happier being the man. Like, he got what he wanted. So For, For him to leave, if you're very much woke, it was easy to see this. It was easy to see the snows dive coming from the Cavs. Oh, oh, and if we're talking about woke, I mean Kyrie. Who's next to him even in the NBA? Who's more woke than Kyrie outside Michael Beasley? There's probably not one more woke person on this planet that holds a candle to Kyrie Irving. You might not follow Bob on Instagram. 
Yeah, that's true. B.O.B. is right up there. <laughs> I, I forgot he existed. Yeah, actually, I think B.O.B. is the reason Kyrie's on the whole flat earth thing. I was going to say, isn't B.O.B. a flat earther too? Yeah, I think he's saying. like the pioneer. Like he's the guy who, who took it to who, to the social level again. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, Kyrie's <laughs> just hopping on that train. That was just a social experiment, dude. Yeah. I don't know if he actually yeah, believes it. He's just know. asking questions. I don't know. He just wants to start a dialogue. He's just asking questions. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, anyways, back on the Celtics. So before we move on uh, to our next big topic, which is going to be a big one, so I just want to shout this out since we brought up Kyrie and the Celtics. I tweeted this out, and I kind of feel like I need a little bit of a mea culpa at this point uh, at, for Kyrie Irving specifically. I've been a little bit of a skeptic of him and how he would handle being the focal point of an entire team that is expected to win basketball games. Obviously, with Gordon Hayward going down, even more responsibility thrust upon him. So I tweeted out this basically. As a Kyrie, it's my team now skeptic. I need to say he's taking this challenge in stride. Brad Stevens obviously helps being the best coach he's ever had in the NBA. But Kyrie Irving is doing all the things that you would want him to do as a Celtics fan. Um, so shout out for him so far. The Celtics are like one of the best teams in the East, if not the best. They're for sure the, the best team right now. I don't think you can really debate that. They're the best team in the East right now. Any debate from Bab and Frank? No. They're looking pretty good. Wow, yeah, Kyrie's really taking that lead role and ran with it. Everybody's worried about their depth because they had so much turnover. They they still have depth. That that Daniel Thies dude is a good backup big. Somehow, just just a random dude out of Europe, they find play some good minutes for him. him and they Dennis just needed Schroeder, to get some way. bigs like him and Baines to get boards and make up for yeah. Horford because that just crushed them last year when Horford wasn't rebounding. Yeah, I mean. It's pretty crazy. I mean, like, Amir John. they tried that with Amir Johnson, but he's just not that type of big anyway. Like, they're really benefiting from having those two guys. Especially Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines is surprising me. He's actually decent. I like when he pulls the little mid-rangers for no reason, but uh, good for him. So, moving on now. This is a big debate here. So, we are the NBA Outsiders. You got Bab, Frank, Duff, and Pete all in today talking to basketball with you guys. Uh, so, this next topic's a big one, but let me remind you first that this is a Sports Blog New York podcast. Soon to be separate feeds but for now we are still living on the sports blog new york podcast feed trying to get some you know a little bit more uh what's the word i'm looking for friction right a little more friction a little more feedback we're trying to hear from you guys about the nba outsiders soon we're going to have our own feed probably run a few parallel episodes and then the nba outsiders will spread their wings and fly away wherever they want to go but <laughs> bab frank Pete, and duff in with you and here's the next big topic on the nba outsiders podcast this was inspired by some twitter action as well as john lucas duffy so, Duff, do you want to take this away? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, the big debate was you have Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, and Kristaps Porzingis. And this was before, you know, Melo left New York, obviously, before Jimmy Butler showed up in Minnesota and Boogies and New Orleans, and now Embiid is actually playing. And so the, you, you wanted to, the idea was to rank those four, and the ranking was pretty generally accepted it was Davis, Towns, and then probably KP because he was playing, and then Embiid because he was unknown. And now it seems like we need to add another big to that conversation and Nikola Jokic and then reassess now that everyone is playing to what seems like is going to be their full potential, even though Embiid hasn't hit his max minutes yet. So I just want to pose the question between Towns, KP, Embiid, Jokic, and AD. How, how do you guys rank those five? Okay, so I'll take the buck on this one. Um, number one, 
I'm going to go with Anthony Davis. Uh, he's by far the best defender out of all of them. Uh, he's still got a very special skill set offensively. Uh, he, he spent a lot of time injured in his NBA career, and he's still very young. Um, he's finally got a superstar player next to him, and he's talked so much about how him and Boogie get along and how much he loves playing next to a guy like Boogie, who's a superstar like himself, and how it makes it so much easier for him. So I think it's shown off in the beginning of the season. He's been playing really well. Second, I'd have to put um, – this is this is the hard one for me, um, but I'm going to have to go with Carl Anthony Towns still. Um, he just seems still a little bit more complete, uh, a little bit farther up the edge than Chris Tapps. Um, third, I'm going with my boy Chris Tapps because – uh, you know, the worry this season was can he handle the double team? Uh, not only can he handle the double team, he's absolutely obliterating it so far. But, um, you know, we'll still see. Verdict's still out. Um, then I go Jokic. Um, I just think his unique ability to be a playmaker and handle the ball, uh, you just don't see that very often out of a center. Um, definitely the best out of all of those big men in passing, which I think is very important for a low post player. And fifth, Embiid, but, I mean, again, it's mostly just the minutes thing. I just can't – I don't have as much trust in a man who's only played, you know, 40 games in his NBA career so far and is still still sitting out games because of, you know, load, whatever they said. I don't even know. It's weird phrasing, but, you know. Can't handle the load. Yeah. Load management. Yeah, load yeah. management. Like, I think he can manage his own load. <laughs> All right, bad. Yeah, real yeah. quick, let me hear your five. Don't don't give any reason. Just rank them, and then we'll go through it after. Not be. No, so, okay. I'm going to put Davis first. Wow, I'm, I'm so shocked by this. Yeah, I, I still have him at number one. We'll get into it, but I'm going to put him first. Then I'm going to put Towns. Then I'm going to put... This is tough. I'm gonna put KP, then Embiid, and then Jokic. That's my that's my five in order. I am utterly shocked by Babs' rankings. I'm not really too shocked by Frank's because I felt like I had a good feel on where Frank was gonna go with that. Bab, I am I'm floored, but we're get, we'll get to it. Duff, you want to go? You want me to hop in before you? You got it. You got it. Okay, so I'm I'm honestly I'm on my I'm taken aback at this moment with what you guys just chose. So I'm gonna go a little bit different direction, and it's gonna be almost a little weird. I'm actually gonna go in this very moment with Chris Porzingis, and I don't want to be the homer dude, but I'm trying to be realistic here. KP has done some fascinating things this season with his usage rate, and he's not really... Did you not listen to what I said about... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. You're right. We'll get to that. So I got KP, then I got Jokic, then I got Carl Anthony Towns, then Embiid, and then Anthony Davis. Wow. Wow. You put Jokic second? Excuse me? Did you put Jokic second? Uh, I honestly blacked out and kind of forgot, but I. I you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, right. definitely did. That makes yeah, All that right. makes sense. I should have gone before you because I'm also gonna put Chris Dobbs first. Hey. I'm taking KP first. I'm taking AD second, and then I'm gonna go Embiid, and then Towns, and then Jokic. Wow. So we we honestly don't agree about anything really. Yeah. Well, I guess we got we got two for KP and two for AD at one. But I also right, so have Anthony Davis last because you know what? Uh, and sorry, Duff, I just jumped in front of you real quick. But Frank mentioned the Embiid minutes restriction thing. Anthony Davis misses a big chunk of games, seemingly every year for the past three or four. So if you're talking about not really having a lot of faith in their health, Anthony Davis is right there. 
But go go yeah, on. Yeah, but that's because he's been carrying 13 people on his back for three seasons as a 19, 20, and 21-year-old. So, you know, now he's got a little bit of help. He's got another giant to help that load. So, And it's kind of clear to me that DeMarcus Cousins is just actually better than Anthony Davis. But okay, well, let's, go, let's get to I this. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah, but Anthony Davis is still the one, like, blocking shots and catching the ball and throwing it off dudes' heads and winning possessions. Like, he's still the one with the ball in his hands more of the time like incorrect Marcus Cousins has been having triple doubles and all that stuff but um a lot of his assists are like one touch passes which I'm not trying to like diminish that but that's not the same as creating you know a play dude DeMarcus Cousins in my opinion is way more of a playmaker than Anthony Davis on offense he's running almost pick and rolls with Anthony Davis yeah, but Anthony Davis actually handles the ball. No, to what? Have you watched the Pelicans this year? Cousins is going through his legs around the back, spin moves like crazy. Bro, he's le- legit running point center at times. So you'd rather DeMarcus Cousins than Anthony Davis? Right? This season, so far, absolutely. DeMarcus Cousins might is like an MVP candidate right now. Yeah, he's playing well, but I still think that that's Davis's team. I don't know. Like we- We've talked about that before. Like Whose team is this? It's. I think that's... Still his team, and I think that's obvious. I don't but think we also talked yeah, about just because team. just because it's one person's team doesn't mean that they're the best player on the team. Yeah, I agree with you. You're right. Nah, I mean, listen, they're both outstanding. Enough. And you, you know but what else? I think the, Demarcus the Cousins does better than talk- Anthony Davis is shoot threes. Sorry, what? Say again. I said one thing that Demarcus Cousins definitely does better than Anthony Davis is shoot threes. Like Anthony Davis will shoot threes. Boogie's shooting seven threes per game, hitting over two and a half. Like, he's a three-point well, shooter. He's their best shooter on that team in general. Yeah. So. It's ridiculous. But wait, this is not about Boogie and Anthony Davis. This is about Davis, Towns, Porzingis, Embiid, and Jokic. So, Duff, take the floor back and, and talk your way through your four or five. All right, so I got KP1 just because looking at what he's done this season, when you finally take the cuffs off and you just let him do whatever he wants to do, you watch that game last, I mean, 40-point game, he's obviously getting hot, but he was hitting some tough shots. Like, it looked like the offense he was running wasn't ridiculous. He was hitting, he was just shooting over shorter people. Easy, he can do that every night. And he has this nice little fallaway jumper when he's going specifically over, you know, he's got his back to the basket, he's turning towards his right shoulder and leaning to his left. He hit, like, three of those, and he drills threes. He runs the floor really well. He got four blocks in the game last night. He just, I just think he's the type of player who plays with so much energy and just has such a great feel for the game. I just think his ceiling is, like, unbelievably high. You think about how much more he could have grown had Melo gotten out of there sooner. But whatever, we'll, we'll deal with that. I just, his shooting, what, like 50% from the floor already? And he shoots five threes a game. He's a 7-3 dude who shoots five threes a game. I mean, he's been electric, and I also put him first right now. And part of the reason why I feel comfortable putting him first is you mentioned blocking shots. So he's not a traditional rim protector just yet. I think he'll become one, but he is a pure shot blocker. I mean, pure shot blocker and then get out and transition. And it's it's fun to watch. Uh, Frank, I heard you chomping at the bit, though. What do you got? I, was, I mean, like, like I said before, he just, like, everybody's worried about him in double teams. He just obliterates them. Like, he's too big for for anybody that comes to help. So like if you come on the weak side, he'll just turn and shoot over the big man. And if he, if if and when the small guy does come on him, it's like 
It's like an automatic bucket because they can't do anything about it. Like, literally shoots just over the top of them. It's amazing. And KP is, in fact, but, um, shooting 50% from the floor. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say, um, his mid-range game is, like, the most surprising to me. Like, uh, we, we knew he was kind of like this special athlete, could get up and down the floor and jump and, you know, do crazy putbacks and shoot threes. But, like, he's being fed in the post way more often way more often and he's toasting dudes on the post and he's also just like has a sweet little pull-up game that i didn't know he had but it makes sense it's, it's fun to watch the other thing i want to jump on from my rankings was and beat over towns i know did you pick, did you pick that oh yeah i had him beat three and towns four mm-hmm. i just think he's such an explosive player and he just has the personality where he can take over games now obviously he's got the minutes restriction still he's what is he playing like 25 28 minutes 28 yeah and he really should be around 38 you know once this season gets rolling hopefully and let's not get crazy but yeah why not 35 35 that's that's a that's a workload right there i mean if he if he's at 30 per game like that's that should be a nice spot for him Look, I know he's had injuries, and it's just oh, the the question is always like Embiid if he stays healthy, Embiid if he stays on the court. But until I'm just I'm just so infatuated by him that I'm just all in. I just well, think he's such an athlete, he's such an explosive player on the court. Like he's always looking to be aggressive. He's always hunting for the ball on defense and on offense. He's always he he, he knows that for him to make a bigger impact, he has to touch the ball and. He, he's just always hunting for that opportunity to make an impact. Yeah, yeah, he welcomes that. Like he, he does. He wants everything to run through. But that it was so tough for me because I think if he's, you know, you take the health questions aside and you put all that aside, I think he's an easy one or two for me in there. Um, you know, I don't want to be Philadelphia biased, but I think when healthy, he's up there with all three of those players, and I say three because I put Jokic last. I mean, I think Jokic is a good player, but I don't think he's at the level that the other four are at in terms of, I know he's probably the best passer there, like you guys said, but it's defense. He just doesn't have as much of an impact on defense as those guys. Um, And then even on the offensive end, those guys can just dominate, you know, take over a game, I think, more than Jokic. But I think we're talking about Embiid when he's healthy and playing his full minutes that he'd be up there at one or two for me because he does have just such that special talent, which all, all these guys that we're talking about have right now. Well, one thing about Jokic and say, I'm going to put Jokic and Towns next to each other. Jokic, early, his first year was by no means looked at as a good defender. Last year was definitely better. Carlton Towns has absolutely every tool he would ever need to be a good defender, but by all metrics and by listening to the people who I say I trust the most in the NBA, like the Zach Lowe's of the world and the Kevin O'Connor's of the world, they all trash Carl Anthony Towns' defense. They say that he gets lost in rotations, he helps out too soon or too late. You know, they they really trash him defensively and say, but yeah, he, he puts up these huge offensive numbers, He he's a go-to guy, he can do everything on offense. But how much would you guys take into that consideration that Towns actually struggles mightily defensively, arguably worse than all of those guys on the board. Um, I'm not worried about it. Because um, like you said, he has everything probably except just like the basketball IQ right now to be a good defender. 
because he's a little earlier, a little late all the time. But like, if it's only a matter of timing, I'm not worried about it at all. That's the thing. I can't imagine him not being like a top tier defensive center, like with everything that he has. Like, I just feel like, regardless of his defense the past couple of years, he's gonna be one of the better rim protecting defensive bigs. And like, so are you saying? I mean, just strictly on him and Jokic, are you saying Jokic plays better defense? Is you know has more of an impact on the defensive end? Basically, he, basically what I've been hearing, like I'm not basing this all off my own two eyes because I can't watch every Nuggets game and every uh, Timberwolves game. I've uh-huh. watched maybe three or four Timberwolves two Nugget games this year, maybe three. Uh, it's tough to watch specifically one player on defense, like for an entire game. So I'm I'm using multiple judgments here of like eye test slash numbers slash uh, people who I appreciate their opinions. You know, yeah. so I'm taking that and basically Jokic is like average on defense. And there's this thing called total points added that I follow on Twitter. Well, I follow NBA Math on Twitter. They do this thing with total points added, and you, you, by those metrics, Jokic is a plus on defense, and Towns is lost. So. Huh. It's it's interesting, and I don't know enough to have like a really really strong opinion about it. But more than one person, more than just a few quote unquote haters, are saying that Towns struggles defensively. So I kind of put some weight into it when you know it doesn't like if he was really solid on defense. There's no reason the Timberwolves aren't a powerhouse. Like if all they they kind of miss is a is a rim protector and a little bit more outside shooting. Otherwise, they should be a fantastic team. So I I think it's completely realistic to believe that Towns just doesn't have it defensively yet. I would agree with you because it's been he's in his third season now, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like it's gotten any better. And now he's got Tibbs as his coach, who's supposed to be this defensive wizard, and Jimmy Butler. Like if those two guys can't get you to play better defense. I don't know what's going to do it because I know defense, maybe it'll start to take shape for the Timberwolves because a lot of his chemistry and communication and knowing who you need to help for versus matchups, whatever. But it, like, I, I just feel like we should see more games or at least one game where he's just shutting someone down or he gets four blocks in a game or something like he's almost as big as Porzingis. I feel like KP will passively just get two blocks every game. Just because he's just due to his length and positioning and awareness. Yeah, but I think it also comes down to like more than just him. Like, because I know that Andrew Wiggins is a disappointing defender so far as an NBA player too, because he's such a crazy athlete and all this and that. So I, I don't know what the numbers are for him this year defensively, but like, if the team around you is bad defensively, yeah, you could still be a good defensive player, but it doesn't help you out. And I know Jimmy Jimmy Butler, like you said, they added. He's like one of the premier perimeter defenders in the league, but he's also still new to this team. And like we we've argued many times before, whose teams is this? Um, we all don't think it's his team. So you know he's still adjusting. So you know it, maybe it'll take some time. Maybe he'll be the guy eventually, and he'll become like a defensively stout team. But I think right now it's not just him that's bad defensively. I think it's just that team that's bad defensively. So that's why I don't put too much weight into it. Well, that's what that's where I was going to go. Like you were talking about Tibbs and Butler. You know, it's supposed to be a defensive team. You're right. It's supposed to be. But right now they're bottom five in terms of defensive rating, and they're top five in terms of their offensive rating. So they're winning games. Like they're they're good right now. They're seven and three, but they're winning games on the offensive end, uh, which is a whole different conversation. But yeah, I don't think that team is a whole. You know what Frank said. I don't think they're playing great defense as a whole. That team. 
All right, so after all this, does anybody want to adjust their rankings? Anyone kind of, you know, who who's the people that we feel iffy about? So we, me and Duff had KP first. You both had Anthony Davis first. So the people who get left in the middle there end up being Jokic, Towns, and Embiid. I think, Bab, what you said about Embiid is a good point. I mean, if he was fully healthy without this restriction stuff, it's a lot easier to place him on one or two or three, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but all those guys are super talented. The one thing I'll leave at with this, and not to throw shade at Frank and Bab's pick, f- uh, five guys we were talking about, right? Four of them are actual floor space and three-point shooters, like knockdown. And Anthony Davis is probably the guy who's the worst shooter out of that bunch. I don't know how much that plays into, but in the NBA where three-point shooting is a big deal, that is kind of just a fact. But we'll see if Davis can keep extending that range. That'll be huge for him. But let's keep Doesn't this thing that moving. that speak more to him, though? What's up? So wouldn't that speak more to him, like he's the outlier? Not if three-point shooting is one of the most important things you can do in the league right now. Yeah, but like he doesn't have that, and he's still considered one of the five best, so that would make him that much better at everything else. Yeah, sure, sure. That's a that's a fair, actual way to look at it. So but that's why you have him at one, and them. I have him at five. I guess it depends what you uh, really want, or what you really appreciate no. the most. Yeah, no, we're good. All right, well... Keep it moving. This is the NBA Outsiders. Frank, Bad, Pete, and Duff. Uh, we're talking a ball right now, right? So we're talking about some of the big names. We're talking about the big teams. We mentioned the Cavs, the Celtics, and then those big five that basically any team would give up their entire salary cap for. But now we want to give a shout-out to some of the little guys, right? So we've mentioned on this podcast before that we all – appreciate NBA League Pass, and the four of us specifically, I know we watch our fair share of random games to the point where other people might think we have some issues. So I want to take some time and have some fun with the other guys, the other teams who we happen to watch. So we did this thing in the beginning of the year where we all picked our favorite League Pass team, the the team we want to watch who we don't get to see all the time. Well, at this point, I find myself with a few randoms that I didn't expect that I would watch this much of. So, Frank, I'll go to you first. What's a team that you did not expect watching, and now you find yourself a couple weeks in that you've seen a bunch of their games? Um. So yeah, so I didn't think I'd be watching a lot of Pelicans, honestly. Um, I guess that just kind of led me to picking Anthony Davis higher up on that big man chart. But um, I just find myself watching their games. Like whenever it's the slow nights, they seem to have the best matchup, so I just click on it. Um. And they've been pretty good so far. Uh, I know we argued before, but DeMarcus Cousins is having a great year so far. Um, And they look pretty good, actually. They look like a decent team, and they're handling their own in the West so far. So it's been pretty interesting to watch, and it's definitely something that's like, uh, it's different than everything else we're seeing right now in this guard-heavy league, so it's kind of cool. Frank, how do you feel about, regarding the Pelicans, the way Drew Holiday fits with those two big superstars, and kind of how he almost very willingly defers, right? Which is understandable, but he, he definitely defers actively. How do you think about Drew Holiday's fit there? I think it's actually perfect because, like, initially I didn't think it would be because he's not really the best shooter, and I thought they needed a point guard who can kind of help them space the floor, and maybe a guy would be a little bit more ball-dominant and, you know, just help them feed them more in the post and be more reliant on a point guard. But, um, like we said earlier, DeMarcus Cousins has been uh, – He's been killing it, making plays. Anthony Davis is still a decent playmaker. Um, and and the fact that he defers really helps that team. It I don't know I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like it gives 
it gives DeMarcus Cousins like a more comfortable feel in the offense because he just has the ball more often. So I think it makes the big men better that he doesn't do that. And he's been playing well defensively too. So they've been fun to watch. And realistically, what that team needs is just more floor spacing. I mean, they're trying to space the floor with like Dante Cunningham, and that just doesn't cut it in this NBA. Uh, they would be a really fun team to watch if they could throw in a couple extra shooters. But shout out like Etwan Moore, like he puts up some good minutes for for the Pelicans. They don't have much to yeah. work with, so he had he had twenty four early on in the season, and I think it was against the Cavs. He actually had twenty four, and it surprised me. But they were almost like daring him. They were like, "Yeah, okay, he's the guy who's going to shoot the threes. We'll let him shoot the threes, and he made him pay for it." So they are an interesting team for sure and another interesting wrinkle that we will probably be talking about uh, later on in this year is boogie on the trade block right so he might get moved who knows when right before the all-star break right, right now who the hell knows but he's a guy who's going to come up and trade rumors and that'll be a lot of fun uh, but justin babb over there how you doing what's that random team you've been watching yeah i mentioned them last week when we were recording and they're by no means fun to watch, but I've watched way more than I thought of the Bulls. Um, I, I think their roster isn't as terrible. You go through and look at they got, like who they have starting, who the players are. Um, their roster's terrible, like 1 through 11, 1 through 12. They don't have a good roster. But the best player on their team is a rookie, and it's Laurie Markkinen. I mean, he's been really fun to watch. I didn't know he could shoot this well. I mean, he's shooting extremely well he's shooting way more threes than i ever thought like you know like i said before i don't watch college basketball shooting way more threes than i ever thought but like other than him justin holiday is okay i like his brother a lot better drew just former sixer and then i also like i liked watching denzel valentine when he was at michigan state so he's another just interesting person i like watching i think he's built really funny kind of looks interesting but yeah like just just his his image his image is funny to look at but um yeah i've been watching way more bulls than i ever thought i would turn on especially with their whole fiasco to start the season that was nuts yeah oh and miritich and bobby portis two guys who yeah make them a little more fun to watch possibly who can chuck some threes play a little inside game but laurie marketing averaging 16 points more shockingly nine rebounds a game people were nervous that he wasn't going to handle the physicality of the NBA. Yeah. Everyone knew he could shoot. We thought he might be the best shooter in the draft. Uh, well, he can definitely shoot it. Uh, in fact, he's shooting at a 38% clip right now. He's shooting seven three-pointers a game. So he's taking the attempts, scoring yeah, 15. He's chucking them. And he's been better inside than people expected. He's been a revelation uh, for Chicago fans. They were very upset about that pick. And now they can kind of hang their hat on it and say, all right, Laurie, you can do some things. That's all they got this year. They might as well enjoy it. Well, uh, John Lucas Duffy, are you ready or you want me to pop in? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, you're ready? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, bring it to uh, me. So, I've been watching a lot of Sixers and Celtics, obviously. My Sixers, my Celtics. Um, but the team, I'm going to go a different way with this. The team that I've hated watching, and we were talking a little bit about it before the pod, I've watched two Orlando Magic games Ooh. in Orlando, and I just hate watching that stadium i hate the crowd i hate the vibe i went to the sixers game and it was totally different it's like a lot of young people excited about the game and then you watch orlando just that disney vibe of old people and then little kids and there's nothing in between and i'm just going to use this as my moment to once again say that we need to bring a team back to seattle and i won't have frank's hate for the northwest deter me in this opinion (laughs) it's not just the northwest okay 
this is an East Coast, West Coast thing. I just cannot stand Orlando as an organization. But Aaron Gordon has been awesome to watch so far this year. And I've always kind of been a Vucevic fan because I've had him on my uh, fantasy teams in high school and he was always killing it for me. Low-key getting double-doubles. You're like, well, who's yeah, this guy? double-double machine <laughs> every single night. And wait, you know what, Duff? You know you said you kind of hate watching them. But it's funny because Vucevic now shoots threes. He actually spaces the floor. He cut. He could have used that shot like three years ago. Uh, Aaron Gordon uh, is shooting threes literally fifty five percent plus. Like I don't even know what he's at right now, but he's over over fifty percent. Uh, Alfred Payton doesn't get minutes anymore, so that's kind of fun. Also, Evan Fournier is like a real life bucket getter. They're good. I mean, they're so far they've been a good team, and I'll watch them. Again, just on the road. I'll never watch another Orlando Magic home game again. <laughs> That's a good old hate watch right there. Yeah. Well, for me to round out the four random teams, I, did we all go Eastern Conference? I don't know. Frank went with the Pelicans, so he kept it out west. I've actually watched way more Pacer games than I would like to admit, but I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad at all. They play a fun brand of basketball, especially when Miles Turner's in the lineup. But more importantly, their halftime show is legendary. When, if you don't have NBA League Pass, you may not be familiar that in between timeouts and stuff like that, you don't get regular commercials on League Pass. You actually get fed into the stadium feed. So when they have some announcer playing a game with a crowd member or a half-court shot contest, you get to watch it. And that could either be really weird and depressing or really hilarious. And the Indiana Pacers have this guy who plays Simon Says with the crowd every halftime. Uh, he has some crazy name. I don't know what it is, but he's ridiculous, high energy, and I found myself watching him play Simon Says more than once, and that's, like, not okay. So if I tweet, te- like, text you guys again about watching this man do Simon Says, like, deactivate me from the NBA League Pass account. <laughs> I've actually met that dude. What? Wait, what? Yeah, dude, he, go, he tours. He's like the Simon Says guru, bro. You don't know Wait. about him? Frank, I can't tell if you're busting my ass right now. I swear on my, my <laughs> you know, I, Like, I wish I was yanking your chain, but nah. When I worked at a summer camp, he was like one of the events that the summer camp had. How did I know exactly what you're talking about? Because you sent the Snapchat of it, and I saw it the other night. Myself, with my own eyes. How do you lose at Simon Says? I feel like it's the Yo, I'm telling you, it's bad. I'm telling you, this guy would wipe the floor with you. What? I'm telling you. Yeah, he's bad. You wouldn't, he's, you wouldn't last two maneuvers, bro. Yeah, he's, he's a G with it. He really You're is. Underestimated me. You gotta listen for two words, bro. He, I'm telling you, Bab. He's a savant. <laughs> you say if you talk about it again to just, we're only gonna have three outsiders if you're saying that happens again. But I'll take it one step further. After you showed, like you sent those Snapchats out, I was so enamored by that guy. I watched some YouTube videos. I'm not wow. Okay. <laughs> That's so. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, he's a Simon Says Guru, man, for real. I'm happy that I inspired this. I didn't even know what I was doing. About watching those videos and watching him do that is the people who like do something wrong and then they don't just have, they, they don't have the the honor. Yeah, the, the common the decency to, to stand off. out, like yeah. acknowledge you got got. I feel you, Duff. That that makes me mad too. Have some honor. Yeah, just have it's. Simon says, it's an honorable game. Everyone knows. Everyone can see you when you fuck up. Just know that thousands of people see you when you do that. If you're ever with that how do you, But how do you get God at Simon Says? Yo, Bab, clearly you have no skills when it comes to Simon Says. You're either, ama- so, you're either amazing or you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, you're I either the best Simon Says skills. player of all time or you've never played Simon Says. I've never lost Simon Says. Wow. wow. 
Wow. We're going to have to find this guy's Twitter and just like slide in his yeah, mentions yeah. every day until he lets, like, let, until he goes one on one with Bab. <laughs> oh my God. We got to get Bab to, to live record himself doing it to one of the YouTube challenges, not even live, because I bet you he can't even do it to the YouTube ones. So 100%. Mess it up. Oh my gosh. Wow, a lot of confidence from Bab in the Simon Says game, but I think we also spend a little too much time talking about Simon Says. So let me just That's shout why out. people come to the Outsiders. That's true. It's legit. Like bring, when I, We bring that different feel. Where else would you find out about the halftime show in Indiana, right? Like nowhere else but the NBA Outsiders podcast. But you can find what? Like on sportsblognewyork.com, I guess, right? That's a, that's a thing. I think it's a podcast tab. Yeah, something like that. Right. Uh, well, other than that, the Indiana Pacers are actually kind of a fun team. Darren Collison has been... A little bit of a revelation for them at, at this point in the season. It's kind of weird to say that like out loud, but obviously Victor Oladipo has been the man. And if Oladipo and Miles Turner are running shit, that's kind of a fun team to watch. And they have a shot at that, you know, six, seven, eight in the East playoffs. Who knows? Maybe five if they really keep it up. Uh, I wish Sabonis would get some more minutes, but now that Turner's back, dude, they obviously got to give him to him. Sabonis has been shooting like eighty <laughs> percent. It's yes, unreal. He's been killing it. And also, don't forget about Bojan Bogdanovich. Come on now. Oh, true, true, true. That's your boy. Absolutely. Bojan. All right, so we have two more topics to get to on this version of the NBA Outsiders podcast. Not this version, this episode. That works better. But two more topics. So the first one's going to be kind of quick. We mentioned one of these guys before. So I want to play a quick little game of who's more normal. So let's do it. Who's more normal? Andre Drummond and his 75% free throw percentage or Aaron Gordon shooting threes at a 50% rate? It's Drummond. I'll go first. I think the Drummond free throw percentage increase. I mean, he's been horrendous the last couple. I think he, shoot like, he shot 38% last year. Maybe it was 48, but it was in that range. What was that? I said balling. Yeah, but I think free throw shooting, just shooting in general, I think is something that you can teach, but I think free throw shooting it's something you could be much more consistent with than a three-point shot. So I trust the 75% from the free throw line more than the 30% or 50% from the arc, especially with a guy like Gordon who's never shot that well. So I'm going to go with the Drummond free throw improvement is more normal. Word. I'm going to agree with Bab. I'm actually surprised. I thought I was going to catch like a lot of flack for that, but yo, like, Nobody shoots 55 from three-point percentage, so forget Aaron Gordon. Yo, it's a fluke. Man's a fluke. Yo, when Man's Frank, not hot. Frank, think about it like this, though. Who, when, when they both level out, who levels out at a more reasonable spot? Andre Drummond. Drummond. So let me, just get, let me just hit you with this knowledge real quick, all right? So for a little bit of context here, in Aaron Gordon's four-year career, this being his fourth year right now, he shot 27, 30, 29, and now currently 55% from three. <laughs> clearly a huge outlier, right? So you say, oh, clearly Drummond shooting 75% from free throw is way more legit than that. But hold up just a second. We know I'm... he shot 38% last year. But wait, but wait. 37, 41, 39, 35, 38, now he's 75. So that is also an outrageous leap up. So you're saying no doubt in your mind more legit is still Andre Drummond's free throws? I mean, uh, we we acknowledge that already. Like, we know he was a horrendous free throw shooter for the rest of his career. But like, I, again, like like Bab said, it just makes sense. Like, once you get it, you have it. 
Well, so they both. It's a wide open shot. Like maybe he had the yips. Like people, people who talk about DeAndre, uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan. Sorry, uh, who's one of the worst free throw shooters in the league is not bad in practice. Like can shoot almost sixty five to seventy percent in practice. Like I feel like sometimes it's more. It's more than just like a mechanical thing. Like he straight up can't shoot it. I think sometimes it's like, like I said, like the yips and. Uh, you know, once you figure it out, it's figured out. It's a free shot. It's not like a three-pointer where, you know, people can run him off the line. At any point in the season when people decide Aaron Gordon shouldn't be shooting three-pointers anymore because he's making too many of them, I guarantee you he will stop making three-pointers. But how are you going to stop a man from shooting an unguarded shot? Well, you know what? They used to actually want him to shoot that, right? Teams used to foul him on purpose to make him shoot those. And now they took that right away from him, right? Andre Drummond t- said, you want to hack me? Fine, I'll make them, right? But yeah, Aaron Gordon's also uh, that's saying... that's actually another point I wanted to make real quick. I think that's like a direct correlation to why the Pistons have been so much better to start this season than a lot of people expected because you you can't just get a free possession by fouling Andre Drummond anymore because he'll make you pay if you just keep fouling him, like you said. And, you know, that, that accounts for a lot. I mean... It makes the team better overall if you can make his free throws. His free throws aren't a weird sideshow anymore, and they can actually play him in crunch time. Um, but I think I'm gonna go the other way. I think Aaron Gordon's might be more realistic than you guys think. Like, obviously, he's not gonna shoot 55, percent but I do think that he's gonna level off above, like, or near 40. percent So I think this is gonna be like a 10 percent increase. Because think about it. He what what could he do before he had this three point shot? He was a lethal. Uh, slasher, like he attacked the rim with such aggression and he's such a freak athlete. But teams know that, so they're just giving him the three-point shot, and he's just going to continue to make open threes. Like I think you're seeing now, he's going to make open threes at like a fifty percent rate. Well, because he know. changed his shooting mechanics and he's got more of a rhythm. But teams, when they start taking that away from him, what's he going to do? He's just going to slash to the basket again, which is what he's best at. So. It, it's he, you're in a weird give and take with him now if you're trying to play defense. Well, here's I mean this is like just blindly like take the player names off it. If you tell me that like a a notoriously bad free throw shooter and a notoriously bad three point shooter both increased like essentially doubled the percentages, had a hundred percent increase in the percentages, and you ask me which one is more normal, like which one can keep that up, I'm gonna take the, the guy shooting the free throws because it's just such a more consistent shot, like. You know what I mean? It's just so tough for me to pick the three-point shot there, you know, the guy shooting the three. I hear you. That's honestly a good point, and that's why you and Frank make the good point. I was playing a little bit half devil's advocate there, but also I think Aaron Gordon really worked on this shot. I think he was so tired of getting called Diet uh, Blake Griffin. (laughs) Like, this man must have been so over getting called Blake Griffin light that he's just like, I need to do something. I have skills. I have athletic ability. He's putting the ball on the floor better than people expected, uh, and he really is shooting very well when open and when a little bit contested. So it's cool to see. I think, though, they're both going to level out. I tend to agree, though, Drummond levels out a little higher than Aaron Gordon, but that's just because three-point percentages are just lower in general. I think if Aaron Gordon ends up at 38%, that's a fantastic year for him, and people he's a real threat now. He's a real threat. So Real? That's real a quick, good, yeah, what's up, Frank? Real quick point. Like, Duff says he sees him leveling out at 40%. That would put him in the top 30 in the NBA. 
You think this man's is going from twenty nine percent to top thirty in the NBA? Close, close to close to forty. So when I say that, I mean like above thirty seven. So, so okay, so like so last year, last year the top one hundred, the last person is Demarcus Cousins with thirty six percent. You think he's higher than that? I think that's that's his range. Thirty seven. Top one hundred three point shooter in the NBA. I think that he could be better shooting threes than Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. You're off your rockers. You're both off your rockers. I don't even want to talk about it anymore because you're both off your rockers. Well, now that's one of those things where we can wait and see, right? If Aaron Gordon in another month is still at 50% or 45%, uh, that'll be a pretty big drop if he drops that much already. We'll have to wait and see. And Andre Drummond, he changed his form a lot, so it seems like he'll keep it up too. We'll we'll see what happens. Well, let's get to this last topic. So this is the NBA Outsiders, Frank, Bad, Pete, and Duff in the house, talking ball. This is our last topic, and this is a, a, a theme we're going to want to keep bringing back up in the podcast, a segment, if you will, that we'll do over and over and over throughout this year. And it's one we like to call, Whose Teams Is This? Philadelphia 76ers version. So, Bab, you're getting sidelined for a second. I don't want to hear your opinion until the end. I'm going to go to Duff, the real Sixers fan in this freaking group, and I'm going to ask you, Duff, Whose Teams Is This? I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for Bab here because as as Sixers fans, I think we'll both we'll both understand what the what the vibe of our city is. Um, I, it is Embiid's team. He just is the personality. He's taken on the persona of that team. He's just or the team is taking on his persona. I feel like or at least the the vibe around it. He's just the he's the best athlete. Well, Carson Wentz, I guess, but he's the most dynamic athlete in the in that city. He's you see him running through the streets after he's done playing tennis at some random park, like in his practice clothes. It's so ridiculous. He just lo- he loves Philadelphia. He just signed a big contract for to sign long term because he he I think he believes in what they're doing there, and I think fans just love him. Now Simmons has played better, but I with like eight more minutes a game, so I, I'm gonna take Embiid. Uh. I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, I mean, I'm acknowledging the fact that Joel Embiid is a special player. Don't get me wrong. But um, Ben Simmons, to me, is invaluable. Like, there is literally not a single trade that can be made to acquire Ben Simmons. Like, I just personally don't see anything that any team can give up to get him. And for that reason alone, I'm going to say it's his team. He's a six foot ten guy who runs a point guard on a team that really only has like what CJ McConnell or sorry TJ McConnell and Jared Bayless at the one. Like I mean, Marco Fultz is out right now, but like I still think he's the number one playmaker even when Fultz is in. So I gotta go with my man uh, Ben Simmons, best rookie of all time. Just wow. wait on it. Best rookie Just of all time. I love that, Frank. I am with you, man. I think it's almost easy. That it's Ben Simmons. This is Ben Simmons' team. He runs the show. He gets Embiid open threes. Uh, they help each other a lot. Don't get me wrong. They're both absolutely fantastic and super fun to watch. I've been high on th- these guys, even as a Knicks fan, for years now. Ben Simmons exponentially can help Joel Embiid get easy shots because he's ridiculous passing the ball into the lane, and he's crazy at flipping balls behind his head after a pick-and-roll back out to a wide-open Embiid on the top of the key. I think when 
we see this guy, Ben Simmons, continue to play and continue to just get his imprint on the game in a hundred different ways a night, it's going to slowly become Ben Simmons' team. And then more importantly, Duff, you were talking about the personality and the enigma that is John Bede and how fun he is. I think when basketball gets real serious, I think Ben. I mean, I think Embiid will get serious too because he's a competitor. I've always said that about him. But I think when it gets real serious and the questions need to be answered of why didn't this happen or why didn't this person get that shot and all those real intense basketball moments come down to a boil, Ben Simmons is the guy that you go to first. How'd that happen? How'd you make that play? Because he's going to have the ball in his hands. And he's going to be able to give it to Embiid or be able to find J.J. Redick. And he's going to be able to make a play on his own. I think he has everything you can ask for in a basketball player in this new point forward era. And I love it. And I think it's super close. But I'm taking Simmons. Bad, what do you think? So, Simmons is like a wizard with the basketball. And the things he's done this year have been unbelievable. Frank said it before. I'm sure he'll say it again. He could be probably is the best rookie, having the best rookie season of all time. But when it comes down to it, I, I, I side with Duffy on this. And I got to say it's Embiid's team. And we've said before in this pod just today, tonight, that the, the person whose team it is doesn't need to be the best player. And I think either one of them can be the best player on that team any given night. They're both playing together now um, a lot more. The Sixers have won four in a row. They're developing like really good chemistry. Them running the pick and roll with Simmons and Embiid is just scary with Simmons' passing ability. But I just think it's Embiid's team. I think that when they're on the court, the players look to him for that kind of energy to get up and do that, make the next play. Like he He's the guy that's always going to be running over and motivating you. And then he just gets the team going more right now. You know, I don't know if it's because it's Simmons' first year and he's a little more reserved, just personality-wise overall. But the feel is just that it's, in my opinion, Embiid's team, even with his limited minutes. Um, and I just, it's, it's a good problem to have. I guess is what I want to end it on. You know, deciding between Simmons and Embiid, and I don't even think that's a debate. I, I, I mean, that's just fair. And, I, you know, it's funny. We did the whose teams with this last week with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Whose teams is this, Jimmy Butler or Carl Anthony Towns? And that was almost like an identity, identity crisis. Whose teams is this? This is by no means an identity crisis. This is more of like a hypothetical fun thing of like mm-hmm. who's, who's the better, better one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's not that bad. Uh, I do want to ask you this, though, Bab, and Duff, I guess, since it's also your team. When you imagine the Sixers in a really close game, down to the wire, you know, hard fought. Maybe it's a little bit closer to playoff time. Maybe even in the playoffs if they're lucky enough to be in the, in the big dance. Who do you think the reporters go to after the game first? Who do you think is the first one that gets called to the podium of, you know, who the blame might fall on or who gets hammered the most with questions and with the media? Because we learned this the hard way as Knicks fans. Um, you you could have wanted to say that it was Porzingis' team last year, that he was better than Melo last year, which obviously isn't specifically true. But Melo was always going to be the guy who got the questions and had to answer for everybody else and had to keep his head up or say the right things. Like, who's that guy on the Sixers? Who's the guy who takes the the media leadership, the locker room leadership, all that stuff? Uh, I think it'll probably be Ben Simmons who says, yeah, that's my fault. 
you know, blah, blah, blah. He's going to be the one who has, who has the ball in his hands to, you know, start that last play, that winning play, whatever it is. But I think if Brett Brown is doing his job, that's him. It's got to fall on him because his team is, his team is young and, and beat is always going to give you a sound bite. It seems like, but I think Simmons just by nature is a quiet dude. I don't know. Did you guys watch the documentary he made on Showtime? But that's kind of part of my point, right? And, like, yeah, you embody the funness of Embiid, but Simmons is calm, cool, collected. Exactly. That That's the thing I was getting at. Like, at LSU, obviously, he did not have a great season. And that's, A, because LSU just stinks. And, B, like, he wasn't – he didn't really care about college. Um, he didn't want to go to class. What, but I mean, he did. And a per, with a person in his situation, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But – he did say in the documentary when he was in college, even he's like, when we lose, I feel like it's my fault, and I take, I'll take the blame for my team. And now, granted, he was the best player in college that year and the best player in his team by far. But I don't think that's going to change when he, when when it happens to him in the NBA. I think he'll take the blame, and I think he'll be, you know, like classy about it, for lack of a better word. Well, you said Simmons is calm, cool, collected, Pete, and I agree with you, but I still. I'm going to call him reserved, and I think that transfers to on the court as well. You know, he's had recently, in the past week, I will say, he's improved. But the first week and a half, two weeks of the season, you know, even going to a couple games, the fans from the, from the you know, sitting in the stadium were saying the same thing. They were yelling at him, you know, toughen up because he was just playing soft. He wasn't – because he has the ability to just get by guys, you know, go to the rim hard. And in the past week, he's thrown down a couple dunks. He's challenged people at the rim, but previously he wasn't. Um, but I still think that's just kind of his personality. He's reserved, so I don't think that he's going to be the guy, um, the first one out there to talk to the media. I think he kind of just seems to shy away from the spotlight. And that I don't think he's going to be able not to develop into a leader, not be able to. But I think right now it's it should be. Interesting. And you know what, Bab, you said it before. It's a really good problem to have. Ben Simmons yeah. has only played nine NBA games, and we're considering him a possibility to be the face of a franchise already, a, a team that has a winning record and has been a very exciting team so far. Frank, I heard mm-hmm. you uh, picking over there because we got to end up soon, but what do you got for us? Uh, I was just going to say, you guys see his jersey just get, like, obliterated the other night? <laughs> yeah, he yeah, just threw it off. And I saw he didn't run back on defense. I was like... I was like, what is he doing? And then he, I realized like his shirt, his jersey is basically like a dress at that point, just like ripped, ha- like completely ripped in half. Like these Nike jerseys, I don't know what's up, man. Yeah, is man, this, like, it's the sus. And this has happened. Yeah, man, it's sus. It's, but that it's, was, that was like, I, that surprised me. But I feel like that, like moments like that, like he looked angry after that. And, you know, like you said, people want him to man up. Like, I think angry Ben Simmons, like when he can learn to like control rage and just play like that the whole game. Oh my God, I'm so scared of that guy. Yeah, he's just got to tap into it, man. He's gonna be a dominating player. He's just got to find it within him. Nine games. I forgot. Nine I forgot games. to mention this, but when I was at the game, it did look like the Pacers had planned for him defensively. They were. They said, okay, he's kind of like the spark of this team and this offense. Like how we get everything ignited. They were just sloughing off him so badly and just giving him, like, 10 feet of space because they know he's not going to shoot anywhere outside the paint. He's attempted four jump shots outside of 16 feet. I read an article today 
Kevin O'Connor. Shout out Kevin, and, o- Kevin O'Bomber. Yeah, Kevin O'Bomber. And like four, four threes, but all of them were like end of quarter heaves. And they just didn't let him get in transition. Like the Pacers had a great transit, great transition defense that game. And they were not letting him get out ahead of the play. I don't think I saw one like fast break big play from him that entire game. Very well, that's the thing. Like, if you're talking crunch time, like you want somebody to step up. I think he's the guy that you inbound the ball to. You want him handling the ball because he's going to make the right choice. He's going to make the right pass, or if he can drive, you know, he'll finish that. But I think your number one option to score that basket, that you know, that crucial bucket, is going to be Embiid. You're going to want to get him the ball regardless of where he is. If he's out, you know, beyond the arc, or if he's in the paint, I think he can beat his matchup much more reliably than Simmons can, you know, in crunch time when it comes down to it. I think you confused Joel Embiid with uh, J.J. Redick. Well, yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, Redick, we talked about before, Redick has been a bright spot. He's just nailing his jumpers. and he's uh, No, I mean, wait, he's no, bad, 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 sorry. Robert Covington, though. What about him? Good, my dude's a sniper. Yo. Dude. They got some legit sharpshooters out there with Kabroko and JJ. Dude, you guys, I don't know if it was you guys, but somebody I was talking to before the season was like, was like, ah, oh, he's no good. Like, he was, you know, throw away, whatever. He's not. That was not us. But, like, dude, that guy's one of the, developed into one of the best 3 and D players in the league. Yeah. And I, I absolutely, you know, hold that opinion. He's one of the best 3 and D players in the league. He's really made something from, you know, somebody that was undrafted. That's been, he's been a, Amazing. All right, Frank. What's up? Next week we go Knicks heavy at the end of the podcast. It's too much Philly talk, all right? Yeah, bro. Sick and tired. Yeah, we got Robert Covington. Who are we supposed to be talking about? Courtney Lee? I mean, no, no, we should be talking about Frankie Nilakina. Hey. First steps into the spotlight and, you know, helping Chris Dapps win a game, baby. Covington was a. Covington was a top 35 fantasy player last year. Whatever weight you put into fantasy rankings, Covington was a top 35 player. Interesting. Yeah, this is just – we're just a couple of typical Philly fans, man. We just got the biggest mouths on the pod just talking our team up to death. I can't I can't stand you guys. We need to close this podcast out. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the NBA Outsiders, man. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, of course, what you got to do now, if you didn't do it already, click on the iTunes or Apple Podcast app. Go to this podcast and rate and review it. Click on some stars. Write down some thoughts. Tell us what you think about this fine program, the NBA Outsiders. Frank, Bab, Pete, and Duff. We're talking ball. It's what we do. NBA Outsiders. Own feed coming soon for now. SportsBlogNewYork.com as well as the SportsBlog New York podcast. Any last words from you guys? Subscribe. Subscribe, unsubscribe, and then resubscribe. And go Sixers. That's a good one. Um... You can't guard a unicorn, so stop trying. Hey. Great job, Trust Frank. Me. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, how's it going? All right. Everybody have a good uh, good old day. This is the NBA Outsiders.